Welcome, guys, to another beautiful episode on the podcast. Episode 45 of Cup of News. Damn, 45. I'm pumped for this one. Damn, it's five more away from 50. Five away from 50. Almost halfway to 100. And a quarter of the way to uh, 200, you know? Yeah, man, we're just trucking (laughs) away. Uh, If you guys find any value in this podcast, please give us a review, follow, share. We appreciate it. Big news, 430. Write that date down, put it in your Google Calendar, put the reminders on your phones. We have an announcement coming up. We're super stoked about it. We've been working on it for quite some time. So it's going to be excited to finally get this out. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you guys the names or any kind of you know secret information, but it's going to be something pretty cool, something that, that Matt and I and most of our friends kind of follow into, and we fall into that kind of category. Because we just like making people healthy. We like helping people through struggles. We just like helping to make the world a better place. And that's what the world needs. And it starts with each each one of us, right? You can't have like a change in the world without somebody moving forward, right? So you can't have a giant movement or a giant shift in like consciousness or like living or or life or like ego or anything like that without just having one person started, right? So it just begins with one. You don't understand how, how powerful you are as a human being just because, you know, you say you're one person and there's... According to Google, there's what three billion people in the world. Yeah, and we, you know we make we make ourselves feel small sometimes, mm-hmm. and we don't realize that you know all the battles are within, and the mind is literally infinite. You don't understand how strong you are, how powerful you are, just being yourself, and go for away. On that note, let's start the show, right? So, on this episode, we're going to talk about a study from the University of California. They actually finally found the molecular mechanism of how green tea, black tea, actually helps reduce your blood pressure. And, you know, a reduction in hypertension. Mm. And we'll also talk about a national study that's linking a health decline in Generation X and Generation Y. The tea phenomenon is pretty interesting because we've always known that tea has these blood pressure lowering capabilities. And one study I looked at, and it's actually cool because Matt actually found a study that shows what part of the tea actually causes these, these hypotensive mechanisms, right? If you located it. Because a lot of these studies... Um, they link tea with decreases in, decreases in certain things like blood pressure. But a lot of these studies don't say what directly causes this. Yeah, what's, just, what's the molecular mechanism, right? right? It just says that some part of the tea that we're not sure about causes these things. I want to say that I actually looked at, and it was a summary of human interventions as well as animal studies. And a lot of these studies show that tea, the underlying mechanisms of tea are shown to relax smooth muscle, contractions, decrease endothelial nitric oxide synthase, reduce vascular formation, inhibit renin activity, and antivascular oxidative stress. And that's pretty interesting. But a lot of these studies that I looked at show these same links with these benefits of tea, but they just show that they just say that some metabolite in tea causes this. But it's actually pretty cool that we're starting to realize what causes this. And maybe in the future, we could just identify this metabolite or identify this mechanism and actually just kind of single it out. And maybe even base medication off that right. instead of using like typical pharmaceuticals where we just kind of blend the chemicals together and kind of figure out if it works or not. Yeah. Now my question is, is whether if this is a natural form of medicine, which it w- which it will be, can it be sold? Can it be patented? Or will it just be a product to the world for free? I, I mean, nothing's you, for free, right? <laughs> right. I don't think you, you could patent it because you can't patent tea. You could patent certain types of tea, but you can't, you can't patent all tea, right? Because I could buy a a tea seeds and I could grow my own tea, right? It's not patented. But what people would do is they, like I said, they single out what mechanism does it and they add another mechanism to it and then they make it their own. Yeah. So you know they got to almost make it somewhat artificial they so do. you can't say it's naturally derived. Exactly. Way. Yeah. And then you can put a patent on it. Technically, it's your creation. Even though this mechanism is available for everybody, you know, you added your own take on it or you added your own process or capsules or, you know, mechanism of it entering your body. And then you could put a patent on that or a way to enhance it. Like, you know, all these pre-workouts have like these patented formulas, which basically is just caffeine and whatever else they add add to the formula, right? Yeah. That's I really mean, caffeine is the main ingredient, like always. Exactly. It's the yeah. universal thing. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful because tea has been around for over 4,000 years, started in China. And tea is one of the most common consumed beverages worldwide, second to water. And up to 2 billion cups of tea are drunk each day. A lot, man. A fun fact: uh, Poland's ranked number ten in the world in tea consumption. So, it's cool and, and it's kind of it's kind of funny because it makes complete sense because 
tea has been such a staple in our life. Mm-hmm. Like we wake up in the morning, our parents will have tea with breakfast, uh, midnights, you know, late night dinner snack or something with like some sandwiches. Tea's always involved, you know, they're always reading the newspaper. So it's funny how, you know, we're stereotyping, but it actually correlates to um, the results of being top 10. Right. Or somebody comes over, you know, you know, you want tea or coffee. You know, that's basically the, the two staples of basically of, I'm pretty sure Polish people drink more tea and coffee than they do water. Yeah, man. It's Polish hospitality. Yeah. Like when you, when they don't even offer water to they either offer just like you said, tea or coffee. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the leaves, so this is how the study kind of started. So there's a species of leaves called Camilla sinensis, and they're the, they're used to make the most caffeinated teas um, from plants. <clears throat> and based on the study, they took um, the University of California. They, they took it directly from Trader Joe's, that specific green tea. Uh, if you want to look into like the differences between tea, there's green, oolong, and black. And it all depends on how long you're fermenting the leaves. You could either have unfermented tea partially fermented and fully fermented and that all impacts the characteristics and properties and flavors of the tea fun fact right Mm -hmm. so how did they actually start so the results let me go into here so the results basically said that there's um two compounds catechins type flanoids compounds uh, that which are found in tea i'm not going to go into the full name because it's epi gallo catechin dash three dash galligate if you want to find out exactly what it is check out our show notes on cupofnurses.com and what these chemicals, these, this protein, it's called KCNQ5. So what this protein does, it it's actually acts as an ion channel protein. And it allows potassium ions to diffuse out of the cells to reduce cellular excitability. Mm-hmm. So KCNQ5 is found in the smooth muscle lines of every blood vessel. And T actually activates those catechins, which actually is predicted to relax the blood vessels. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way they did this study, they found uh, computer modeling, mutagenesis studies, and they were looking at how the catechins bind to the foot of the voltage sensor. Because mm-hmm. remember, this is all, remember, we're all voltage, we're all like, uh, there's ions, there's particles, there's, you know, geez, chemistry classes like come into mind right now. So the voltage sensor is part of the KCNQ5 that allows this channel to open and it responds to cellular excitation. So what happens is, the binding allows the channel to open easily, and it helps with um, smooth muscle relaxation. Yeah, it's cool that you brought the flavonoids because I heard, the first time I ever heard of flavonoids um, was basically with Dr. Uh, David Sinclair, the anti-aging doctor that works at, at, at Harvard. And I mean, I don't really, I forgot what his direct stance was on it, but he's, I remember him saying that basically like the antioxidants aren't as effective as you might think they are just because they're they're still not sure on how effective they actually are so the seems like the research is still on, on the fence and flavonoids those are the main ones that Matt's talking about that are in in green tea in black tea and all the teas that help lower yeah. blood pressure right so when people argue are these flavonoids do they have any kind of potential or they actually you know do anything we see these studies like the one Matt presented and it's shows that, hey, green tea lowered blood pressure. So, so these flavonoids have to have some kind of an effect on our body. And just out of curiosity, I looked at what flavonoids are like a few seconds ago. And it actually, they just what we said, they're antioxidants. So they help regulate cellular activity and fight off free radicals that cause oxidative stress. And oxidative stress has been associated to hypertension, you know, um, strokes to just an unhealthy lifestyle that cause more stress in your body. They're also responsible for like allergens, um, germ formation, toxins, things like that. So, you know, as we're, we're still on the fence as a society about these effects of these antioxidants, like, you know, the research like they come out that, hey, maybe there is some validity around it. And maybe future down the line, you might say, hey, maybe we could kind of figure out how to strengthen these, these antioxidants and make them like a superfoods and maybe it could, you know, fight off more so than we think that it can. Yeah. But they're still on, on the fence about it, but... The thing is, like these antioxidants, they're found in healthier foods, right? They're found in healthy foods. Like you don't have processed foods having these these um, flavonoids or these uh, antioxidants, right? So there's some kind of a power in these antioxidants, even though the research doesn't always suggest it. There's a reason why an apple is healthier for you than, you know, like processed food, like an apple flavored granola bar or something, yes. right? Because there's, there, they have these natural compounds and if you can figure it out, what they are and isolate them, you know, that's going to make us healthier as humans in the future. 
Yeah, it's, it's all about being conscious and aware of what those food groups are, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. how to consume them, maybe the times, what's healthy for them. And that's why, you know, we're also passionate about the, you know, everything that we're starting. We're trying to help people just become better humans. And yeah. it, it all starts from within, just like we always talk about. It's not rocket science. Right. And even on, on heart.org, if you, you know, go on the Google, like heart, heart.org and TA being associated with a lowering on blood pressure, it tells you there's a cardiologist that says he recommends three three drinks for people. First one's water, then tea, then then coffee. But of course, you want those all without sugar, because then if you start adding things like you know if you're going from a plain green tea or a plain black black tea, and then you're adding you know sugar and flavoring to it, that completely deters the health benefits of tea, right? Yeah. Because then instead of those benefits of decreasing the oxidative stress, decreasing inflammation, guess we're introducing sugar into the body or whatever other chemicals you are with the flavorings. And that completely changes the whole mechanism of action and, and what it does. Because we're not saying, we're not saying that if you drink tea, you're going to have a lower blood pressure. We're not saying that at all. We're saying that tea has a potential to lower your blood pressure. And it's one of the things that you should be introducing into your diet if you have hypertension, along with other things that should help you lower it, right? Yeah, because yeah. one cup of tea... Or sorry, one cup of yeah, one cup of tea. I looked online. It only theoretically lowers your systolic by like two point two. You know, two point two, which isn't very much milligrams of mercury, right? And your diastolic by point nine, so it's not very much. But the whole the whole concept is, if you drink this tea and you eat healthy and do other things, it's compound, like compound interest, right? The more compound interest you have, the better you are in the long run, right? Same with foods. The more compounded nutritional benefit you have and and proteins and you know these antioxidants these flavonoids and all that the better you are in the long term yeah you make a very good point because yes you could be drinking green tea to lower it but if you're consuming at one tablespoon of sugar which is causing systemic inflammation in your vasculature which is contributing to coronary artery disease you're not really helping yourself out by really having that cup of tea you might as well just have just a cup of water and not having that freaking tablespoon of sugar because it's causing more good than bad Um, same thing about um, you know holistic medicine and precision medicine right like yes you're gonna have one cup of green tea but mentally if you still get fixated on small things and have that victim mentality and you walk you walk by or somebody honked you know the you know somebody honked behind you to go on the green light and that person pissed you off that probably raises your blood pressure so much more and that freaking four cups of green tea won't even help so yeah it all comes down to everything at the end of the day not just one thing matt and i really want two things or actually one main thing from from everybody that listens to us is just to be a more conscious human being right and that's going to flood into being more conscious mentally which you're going to think more clearly you're going to understand what you like, you're going to understand your flaws and how to work on your flaws and how certain changes or how certain thing, the way you incorporate certain things or certain change into your life, you're going to be able to figure out how that impacts you and it, if, it is, if it's positive or negative, right? Because every time we change, we expect a positive outcome, right? But it's not always the case. So part of being conscious is understanding that, hey, I know this worked for somebody else, but it doesn't necessarily work for me. That's a whole other thing of being conscious too, especially with like mental thinking and meditation and all like these people you see online with these lectures. And the other concept that, that we target too with consciousness is also be conscious of with, with what you put in your body because that plays just as important a role as the thoughts you have in your body, right? Because you're, you're, you're built up of what you consume. Yeah. And if you consume shit, guess what? You're going to have a shit life and a shit lifestyle and a shit body and a shit mind. And just like I talked about with the last cup of news based on the five senses, right? Mm-hmm. Not only about what you consume, what you see, what you feel, all that stuff is affecting you. And for this study, like hypertension affects one third of the world population. So it is considered like one of the most modifiable risk factors for global cardiovascular disease, premature mortality. So hypertension not only causes strokes, it has other things that are freaking constantly, you know, it's it's affecting a lot of things. And that's why we need to bring this into awareness to modify it when it comes to foods and everything that we're doing, Mm -hmm. lifestyle. As you guys know, we always preach about that. One last thing about this study, other than controlling vascular tone, uh, KNQ5, that um, mechanism of action, is actually expressed in different parts of the brain that has to do with regulating uh, electrical activity and signaling between neurons. So what they're thinking in the future is um, there's a gene variant that exists that actually impairs channel function, not being able to do its cause, which actually creates epileptic encephalopathy. So those that, that's a developmental disorder that leads to frequent uh, seizures. Mm-hmm. So they're thinking that because um, catechins crosses a blood-brain barrier, 
they're going to be able to discover maybe the that you could activate the KNCQ5 like protein ion that may may suggest that you could basically improve these channels and you'll improve brain excitability disorders, you know, just so you don't get into the active seizures. Yeah, and that, that's cool because the, I feel like the next step in our future and in genetics and in, in health is for sure brain health. And I think that's why mental health is is such a prominent thing we see online now and, and on the news, right? We see this giant push for good mental health. Um, we started seeing this this push mental health, maybe like I want to, years ago, where they started to classify different psychoactive issues in more distant categories, right? It wasn't just schizophrenia. It was like, you know, now you have bipolar and now you have all these different levels of, of autism and, and all that. So we slowly see a push. And why we're seeing that is because as humans, we learn in simple terms, we, we go from the easiest thing to learn to the hardest, right? So we start off with like skin, you know, we kind of know how our skin works. And then we move to our organs, they move to our heart because a heart is a, is a very complex organ. But if you think about it, it's theoretically just really a pump, right? It's a pump on a pump and a muscle, right? That's explained to my patients, right? Yeah. So it's a lot easier to understand that, right? A pumping action, pumping mechanism where, you know, your heart contracts and it pushes blood to your body, then it relaxes and it fills up. That's simple to, to, to learn and to explain and kind of concept to grasp compared to the brain where you have neurons making electronical connections, right? You're going from, let's say, a plumber and plumbing for the heart into like engineering, right. which is brain, like which is circus, yeah, right? Like neuroplasticity, all yeah. that stuff is like, right? we, we, we haven't grasped it. Correct. So we had a plumbing years and years and years before, before we had computers, right? Because it's an easier concept to, to grasp. Same way we know about the heart a lot more than we know about the brain. Why? Because heart's an easier concept to grab, grasp, right? And technically, if we don't know about the heart, we can't really learn about the brain, right? Because the heart delivers blood to the brain. So there's like steps to this. And we're slowly moving into the age of like the brain, you could say. You have Elon Musk making, trying to make Neuralink, which is basically brain connections. And people are predicting that, that you know how they have this, I don't want to go into aliens, but you know how when you have- Let's go. Right? But you know how you have this typical alien figure, which is um, big brain, small mouth, big eyes, small nose, small ears. And small they don't, body. They don't really, small body, right? And you don't really, really talk, right? Because they, they don't communicate with words. They communicate with, with their minds, right? So that's kind of what, what this push might, might be. And then again, who knows? We were promised cars, flying cars years ago, right? There's supposed to be the age of flying cars. And we still haven't perfected that. After 2020? After, or whenever they, okay. they said, you know, like in general. like when We're you're still a, waiting for it kid, to happen. Right. When you're a little kid, you're like, yeah, when I grew up, it's going to be flying cars. No, I mean, there hasn't been any flying cars because we know that it's not, it's, it's very hard to do. And we don't really need to do it. Yeah. Plus, like, before that even happens, we're going to get some unmanned drones, like, delivering Amazon packages first. Mm -hmm. And a bunch of unarmed, um, or armed, maybe armed, drones surveilling us, like, as civilians instead of, like, police officers. That's probably going to be the next push before we even get flying cars, you yeah, know? never know. Uh, damn, man. That's actually a very good concept you brought up. And I was I was going to say something else, but lost my thought there. So Not bad. The Ness, no, man, you said some good stuff. You actually made a lot of great correlations, which makes sense. That's the way I do things, Ben. That's the way I live my life. <laughs> well, correlation doesn't mean causation. Or is it causation doesn't mean correlation? Either way, you guys know what I'm saying. If you guys don't know, look it up. Not, not as smart. I, I said you're smart. You should have just not said anything. Sure. And then you said some shit. And now you sound a little bit stupid. Yeah, I know, that's what I'm saying. It's okay. It's, you, it's, you, you even out the playing field, you know, bro. It's a balance. You know, I'm just this. I'm just as equal as anybody else listening. You know, exactly. Some, well, I know some human. shit about certain topics. I don't know shit about other topics. And life moves on. If I want to learn about it, I learn about it. If I don't, then I don't. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, so next topic of discussion is um, health declining in Generation X, Generation Y, and national studies showing this. Surprise, surprise, our health is declining. And it's kind of like mind-blowing because we have to ask ourselves these questions is like, how come how come this is happening? Because the generations are seeing a decline in health compared to your parents and grandparents. If they were the same age, they would be a lot healthier compared to you. So like, what, you know, what's going on in our... And, you know, those that are longtime listeners, you already guys could probably pinpoint what we're going to just say, you know, like we, we already know it's like the standard lifestyle changes that are all affecting this you know so these generations are comparing that they show poor physical health higher levels of unhealthy behavior such as alcohol use of smoking more depression and anxiety and if you're wondering what's generation x with generation y 
you basically got 1965 to 1980, that's Generation X, and then Generation Y, or aka Millennials, 1981 to 1996. So you got, uh, I'm trying to think, so everybody from 50 all the way up to almost like 25, you are in this age group if you're listening. So mm-hmm. Mr. Hu Zhang conducted a study from um, a student in uh, sociology in Ohio State, published it just last month in the American Journal of Epidemiology. And good results here just to get the study because they used the National Health and um, Nutrition Survey from 1988 to 2016 with 62,000 positive respondents. And the National Health Interview Survey from 1997 to 2018 with over 620,000 respondents. So we have a lot of numbers here. And the way they kind of judged this physical health or criteria, they used these researchers used eight markers based on metabolic syndrome, a constellation of risk factors that have to do with heart disease, stroke, kidney disease, and diabetes. And also they took markers such as weight circumference, blood pressure, cholesterol levels, and then body mass index. And of course they use one other marker such as chronic inflammation, which is a huge thing that we are experiencing now in America low urinary albumin, and I didn't understand that why they were using this. I looked up some research and low urine albumin has to do with basically kidney health. Mm. The the lower it is, the more prone you are to developing kidney disease. And also they checked renal function and creatinine clearance, which all has to do with the kidneys. Interesting. Yeah, so I was kind of curious with this, why is there such like a decline in, in, in health? So I looked up two things, actually. I looked up the Life expectancy for people between the ages of, or not ages of, but humans between the year of 1860 and 2020. And it seems like we peaked in the U.S. Actually, this is uh, in general in the world is, sorry, is the United States. In 2015, we peaked at 78.94 years. That was the average life expectancy for somebody in the United States. And that was the highest it's ever been. And in 2020, um, I know it's 2021, but 2020, it's about 78.81 so, so it's, that's, that's it's not, yeah, it's, it's a decline, but the fact that we is every year moving forward, we've always been on an incline. This is the first time that we either plateaued or actually decreased, except 1920. But I'm pretty sure that there wasn't a war in 1920, some world yeah. war going on. What, what's wild, I was looking up into this too, is like mm-hmm. the life expectancy increased like nearly 10 years over the last half a, half a century. From 1959, it was um, 69.9 years. Mm-hmm. And then in 2016, it was up to 78.9 years. And then after, yeah, like you said, 2014, around that time, that's when we started having that decline leading into 2017 and 2019, even though U.S. is spending the most of like healthcare money per capita and then any other country in the world. And then you try to figure out like what has changed over the years, right? There has to be some kind of issue or thing or concept that's inversely proportional to life expectancy. By that, I mean something is trending up, increasing, that's causing the age expectancy to go down. That's what inverse proportional means. One thing goes up and it causes one thing to go down. Yeah. And my only, so it's not, it doesn't seem like it's wars. I don't think it's violence, right? I don't, I don't think that that's the issue. It seems to me that it's decreased a bit over time. So the only thing that I see that could be causing this is going to be probably two things. It's either going to be exercise or diet, right? Because if you look at how our parents ate compared to how we eat or how our parents ate compared to the typical American citizen that's in our age group, drastically different. Oh, yeah. All our parents' meals are, are cooked at home. And right? soups every single day. Yeah. And, and it's not processed. It's not processed food. They don't always buy like grass-fed beef or whatever, but they don't go out and buy a hamburger, right? They, no. they, they, they buy the meat and they make a hamburger themselves and then they cook it, right? So there's not much processing going on, right? Except for the, the way the meat's processed and the way the bun's processed. But you're not going to McDonald's where everything is, is completely processed and you're not even sure what you're getting or go to a fast food joint where you're not sure what's happening or what their meat's coming from or things like that. So I think we have a lower life potency because just because I think the diet, the food that we eat, and everyone's pushing for this, veganistic this plant-based everything and that's like even more processed yeah and how do we know that's like better like it's getting a lot of hype Mm -hmm. right there's a lot of money that's being poured into it yes there's a lot of celebrities that are vouching for it that's making it more mainstream but is it the healthier route 
we're not sure yet. Can't I mean, say that. There's a lot of, yeah. you know, and that's that's what's also confusing too on podcasts is because you have doctors that are freaking go full meat, right? Carnivore, full vegan. It's the healthiest. And it's just like, well, what's in between? Maybe in between is the best thing. And we're just, yeah, we're still learning. And that's why like whoever's listening, just because somebody tells you to hop on the ketogenic diet doesn't mean it's the right fit for you. Yes, you're going to lose weight, but there's also other things that might be that could, you know, cause a lot of issues like freaking flushing out your complete gut flora. Right. That's why you're going to have diarrhea, you know? But the main differential differentiation between like ketogenic, carnivore, paleo diets, those have years and years and years of like human experimentation. We, we see tribes that are basically always on a keto diet. Or paleo. Or paleo yeah. or just carnivore. We, we still, or, or even plant-based, right? We, we, do, we do see those too. But the fact that of matter is... You're not really eating fully plant-based if you're eating a vegan burger with a bunch of oils in it, with a bunch of different kind of corn, wheat, peas, or whatever, and you're mashing it up together, mixing it with with artificial flavorings and all that. That's not really being plant-based. Make it look like meat. Yeah. And then first of all, how are you going to say that it's healthier when this is the first fucking time you're introducing this to the market? How are you going to tell me it's healthier and not show me any kind of longitudinal results saying how it affects humans over time yep so you can't say it's, you can't say it's healthier it's impossible for you to argue that's healthier just because it doesn't have just because it's made up from different kind of chemicals as meat or as other foods or, or as fats it's you're still because technically all foods chemicals right it's water naturally it gets broken down to your body and it turns into a chemical and then we reuse it right so you can't say that's healthier than, than meat and certain things that have been around for years and years and years, and humans have learned to eat these over years and years and years. Now you introduce this plant-based patty that you're saying is healthier to me. And you're telling me, oh, because you know the research shows that it doesn't, doesn't increase your cholesterol, doesn't increase this, doesn't, doesn't increase that, and it lowers this. I'm like, okay, those studies have majority been done in short-term wise because we haven't been eating this shit for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah, not only that, but who's funding the scientists, right? Yeah. Because if you're funding the scientists, they're going to basically promote your truth and we did a episode a couple episodes again regarding the industrial seed oils like they're proven canola all that soybean oil shit like it's proven to increase obesity more than high fructose corn syrup so i mean it's on the pudding guys yeah, it's on dude. the pudding that's why that's why i like that's what kind of upsets me a little bit about like these people that are fully plant-based and eat these like processed plant-based foods and they try to shove their theory down down their mouth and say hey you're wrong it's just like no i'm not wrong you're not wrong either, but I'm just saying, if you're going to just look at straight facts you, and research, you don't have much facts research to back you up, right? Compared to somebody that's going to argue a carnivore diet or a keto diet because they have years and years of experience of, of people eating this, right? Yeah. And, so and don't, don't push facts on me and say these studies, these studies, because there's a lot more studies about, you know, non-plant-based than there is plant-based. Yeah. And that also goes to the fact that like these people are living in echo chambers on social media and they keep getting reintroduced the information of plant-based and it keeps reinforcing their truth. But that doesn't mean necessarily it's the end-all be-all truth. But, you know, social media enforces your truth and that's the echo chamber. And then uh, I understand that people are like, you know, oh, we don't want to kill animals. We, we don't want to do this. We don't want to do that. Well, technically you're, you're killing plants too. They just happen to not have a brain. They have a different you know, structure than the, than humans or other animals, but that just separates like, you know, animals from, from plants and the whole, um, the breakdown of, of different biological creatures. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, octopuses don't have brains or, you know, some seafood don't have, some fish don't have brains or some kind of seafood or some ocean bearing creatures don't have brains. Is that make them okay to eat? Technically right. they don't have a brain. So it's just like, like, yeah, there's the, the thing of, we should not harm any, any animals or we shouldn't hurt them. But it's just like if you look at nature, you know, we're, we're either, all from one source. Right. We're, we're all so I'm sorry to cut you off because I, I love this topic right here. It's like, yes, everything is either if it's an animal or a plant, it's still coming from the same divine source. It's all coming from this consciousness that's on this earth. Right. It's It's given to us. So, you know, as a human, you're deciding what's right from wrong. But in nature, there is no right from wrong. It's just there to be to be used for, for humans, for everybody on this earth, right? Yeah. And that's how that's how eco, um, ecosystems are created or ecosystems. It's just ecosystems. Yeah. And it's like, like, yeah, you know, some people might feel bad because, oh, the cow can smile, you know, they could, you know, you could almost... Play with the ball. Yeah, play with the ball and have these, they have these kind of 
human tendencies, you, you could say, but I mean, they're all mammals. So we're all going to have the same tendencies, right? So I guess people take it a lot more personally when you're able to conceptualize a cow having human tendencies, right? And then, then you feel bad for eating it because it's almost like, oh, it's almost like me. And how would I, f- how would, how would I feel if other humans are being eaten? Yeah, like you know, I- But you can't, you can't think about that because the world's like a doggy dog world because then, then you're just, then you're just picking things to, to fit your, your, your ideology in, you, in a sense, right? Because what you just said there? Hmm? Doggy dog world? Yeah. You're, the reason why we don't understand that is because like, let's just say two centuries ago, hunter gatherers, let's just take it back, right? They didn't have time for psychological dicking around. Let's just say that yeah. they were hunter and gatherers. Everything was all physical. Are you going to survive? Are you going to eat? Where are you going to live? Where are you going to sleep, right? Mm-hmm. We, we figured all that out. Physically, we're freaking blessed. We should be grateful as humans. Mm. So now, humans always look, like to look for problems. Everything's all psychological now. And that's where everything that's coming from is like, oh, what's that? That's good. People are not too sensitive because their brains have nothing else to worry about when it comes to those uh, basic necessities. And then we're just stuck in our heads in a way. That's yeah. just my theory. So it stands back into like how we moved into like the brain generation. Yeah. Like, like, like it's all that. And yeah, it's it's pretty, I mean, if studies come out, when I'm 50 years old and studies come out that say, hey, it shows that eating everything plant-based is healthier than eating meat, meat, then maybe I'll consider removing meat on my diet. Right. But right now, meat has not done anything negative to me uh, that, that I feel like, I mean, I, f- I feel great. You know, I think I look pretty decent and there's no reason for me to stop eating the diet that I'm eating just because some people say that plant-based is beneficial and same way if you feel great on a plant-based diet and all that and you think you could survive on that and you think you're getting everything that your body needs then go for it do it it's all about precision nutrition right but if you're feeling like shit on this plant-based diet and only thing that's going for you is because you don't want to you know eat that cow because it has feelings then you're probably living life wrong you know because if you're gonna say a cow has feelings then how the hell do you know a flower doesn't have feelings you don't know how a flower lives just because you can relate to a cow because you guess what? You're both mammals. Doesn't mean that a plant can't feel pain. Doesn't mean a, a flower can't can feel certain emotions, right? Yeah, it, and, and you know, how do you even know a cow feels emotions? Because it's a brain? No, maybe the cow feels emotions because it realized that, hey, f- the cows that are more emotional tend to survive longer. And just, just be Darwinism, right? Maybe the more emotional cow survived because then you could, you know, it could shed a tear and then you, you personalize your, that, that, that cow into yourself. And maybe that's another survival mechanism that they fucking created. You never fucking know. It's, 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 like, know. it's like bacteria that developed um, CRISPR, you know? Right. And that's their mechanism yeah. of protecting itself in, in their environment. Yeah. So you're basically saying a cow's life is more important than a flower's life, which then again goes against your ethical dilemma of, you know, all animals are, are kind of one of us and part of us. Because if you believe that animals are all part of us and we're all one with animals... Well, then are we also one with, with plants as well, right? Because you yeah, use them for one. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of where the ethical thing is comes from. And yeah. I, was, I was also going to bounce back into like this whole thing of like, we need enough research and stop shoving your own truth into like my mouth in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I don't want to bring up this topic, but this is what's happening with like the whole like vaccine thing, bro. It's like the couple studies came out, hey, this works. The media shoving it in your throat and now everybody has to get it. And if you don't, there's this polarized society that makes you look like you're freaking mm. crazy or something or you're not being, um, you're not caring about other humans. Right. But anyways, I don't want to bring that up because we're we're past that shit. If you guys want to listen to vaccine talk, a couple episodes down. Or hit us up personally. Yeah, or hit us up personally if you guys want to know more. Uh, when it comes to like the whole health decline, so I took some notes down. I was just trying to figure out why American health is declining. So 1980 was this turnaround time in our country. Um, that's when the opioid pandemic started, the shrinking of the middle class and the widening gap of income inequality. So, you know, maybe health is declining because there's a lack of support for struggling families. You know, we're always trying to freaking like, that's like the topic of conversation all the time in like low income families is like, well, we can't do that because that's not enough money and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. What if that's the the stresses, you know, and then in the study that we uh, talked about, The main things are drug overdoses, suicides, alcohol-related illnesses, and obesity are largely to uh, blame for. Yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy, dude, because if you think about it, during wartime, um, 
I'm not saying finances aren't always important, but during wartime, you're not really fixated on your finances. You're more fixated on kind of like fear of what's going to happen in the future. So you're not focused as much on how much money should I, should I, should I spend? Can I afford this? You're more focused on what's going to happen, you know, um, a year from now or a few months from now. So me might be able, you might spend a little bit more today than tomorrow because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You yeah. Know? And, um, I might argue that a little bit because mm. technically COVID was a war in a way, but it was a war that was fought differently. It was microbial. And in that war, we were locked down and we were worried about finances because jobs were closed and people are out of jobs and they have to hop on unemployment and stuff like that. Yeah, but during wartime, you don't have the issue with lack of jobs. You have an issue with, with lack of humans. Yeah, because right? te- technically war, the industry increases. Yeah, because yes. if you're going to world war, you're going to need to, you know, provide food for their soldiers, provide weapons. So that increases jobs. That's actually probably people probably make more money during wars than, you know, during peaceful times, because actually the government could probably take advantage of both situations. They could be like, Hey, we got to pay you, pay you less, but it's for a good cause. They could also pull that kind of card, you know? Yeah. So I feel like when people are more focused on the future and they're not sure of their future, they might be more prone to spend a little bit more now, but like the whole alcohol thing is, I mean, like the opioid pandemic started with the Vietnam War. That's when we first realized that, hey, that's kind of the first time the U.S. got introduced to opioids. They've been around for a very long time. Heroin's been in the U.S. for, for a long time. But then we came into the Vietnam War where our soldiers were doing a lot of opioids and then they were coming home and they were trying to get more of the opioids and introducing other people to the opioids. So the opioid pandemic was largely influenced by by Vietnam. And you don't really see the devastate, devastative effects of certain things are negative until the future, right? Like think of tobacco smoke, like think of cigarettes, right? At one point, we always bring it up. We, at one point we thought they were healthy, that they were good, but then it took years and years and years and years to realize, hey, they were causing these devastative effects on our lungs, on our kidneys, on our livers, on our lifestyle. And that's how, how, things, how things are. That's why when people argue, hey, this is healthier, this is more beneficial to you. It's hard for me to say, okay, it is. Because yeah. if there's not years and years of reaching to back the, the, this up, then I can't really tell you that it's, it's healthier. It seems healthier. It does, I'll give it a try. Maybe it'll make me feel better. Maybe it'll, it'll do what you're telling me to do. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to always do that forever and for everybody, right? And, you know, the thing is, it's like if you don't try new things, you're never going to discover the potentials of it, right? So that's kind of how, that's why, that's why it's so important to have like choice. Like I don't want to bring up vaccines <laughs> anymore, but I feel like it always gets brought up because it's, it's now it's a trending topic it is. where it's just like, you know, it's n- neither good and bad, neither right or wrong. It's just like a choice because if we're all pushed towards one choice, how are we going to know the true benefits of that choice if everyone's doing it? Be a control group. Because you don't have the, yeah, you don't have the other group that's not doing it. So it's like the, the crazy thing about it. And that's why people that, that push this kind of science on me that it's still really fairly new or they don't really have longitudinal studies or longevity longevity effects. That's a word. Longe- I know longevity is a word, but I don't know about longevity. But these effects For this longevity. show it is because the couple of nurses here. We should make up our own words. If you don't show me these, long, these effects on longevity, then I can't really 100% be on your side. It might sound like a good concept, but if it's something new, then it's still something new. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. Like people aren't... It's conformity, not morality, right? Mm-hmm. Morally, is this the right choice for you? I don't know. Like, we have to assess this. We have to look at the studies, right? That's how we always are. It's always facts. Like, we've been intermittent fasting for maybe over five years now, probably mm-hmm. a lot longer because time flies by, right? We looked at a ton of research before we made a commitment to this. We know for a fact, and we hear it in multiple episodes that, hey, intermittent fasting is, you know, decreasing insulin resistance, is helping with, you know, um, autophagy is keeping you healthy, right? Yeah. We made that choice. Don't don't shove false science mm-hmm. into my throat without giving me the research. And like when we looked into it, whether it's vaccines or whatever it is, we saw the truth. Mm-hmm. It is what it is, but there's conformity happening. Yeah. And, you know, we're just on the other side of the curve at the moment. Yeah, intermittent fasting, it's not a new phenomenon. Just because it's trending doesn't mean it's new. Intermittent fasting goes years and years gathers yeah hunter gathers and even if you look at your religious books religious texts you know jesus fasted 40 nights 40 days in in the desert you know uh no muhammad fasted everybody fasted all these people people fasted you know for a reason 
you know, for the reason in their mind and their their ideologies is to get closer to God, right? So it should have a benefit, you know? But also intermittent fasting doesn't also get you closer to God. It also helps out your body, right? So it's not just like something that we just realized five years ago and said, hey, this is healthy because it looks healthy. No, because Matt and I have looked at studies and these studies are years and years and years and years, over thousands of years. We've known tribes that intermittent fasted and, it, and they were healthy and they were able to sustain life. Yeah. So that's it's just, so it's not like we're, we're we're looking at someone that that's happened five years ago. It's not a phenomenon that happened five years ago. And this also, I was looking at some stuff that are inversely, inversely proportional to to the age decline. So I looked at processed food. Processed food was first invented or brought to the market in 1950 because some company overestimated how much turkeys they're going to need for Thanksgiving. So then they had to figure out what the hell to do with them. Damn. So they they realized, hey, we could freeze it. And, you know, that that could be, that's considered process or whatever they added to it. I didn't look at the whole history. Is there something yeah. going to So on one end, processed food was beneficial. Because I was reading another article saying that processed food allowed women to spend more or less time in the kitchen. And, you know, if you look at the history of, of, of women over over times, their main role in life was to kind of be the childbearer, take care of the family, take care of the house. And then the men, the man used to work, provide and, and do all that, right? So on one end, processed food did do some benefit because it freed up some more time for women to pursue other feats, other things, because it's easier to, let's say the rice example, it's easier to buy seasoned rice, pop it and boil it, and then that's your seasoned rice, yeah. right? And, and it tastes good and, and all that. Not the worst thing for you, just depending on what the ingredients are, right? Compared to cutting up all these vegetables you got put in, all these seasonings, and then making the rice and all that, it was quicker. So it saved you a few seconds, a few minutes or whatever, but that compounded saves you a lot of time, right? And that allowed women to kind of pursue these different things because they had more time on their hands. Yeah. It's, because raising a household takes up a lot of fucking time. That's why I respect women that stay at home is because if you're staying at home with three three kids and running the house, you're fucking busy for more than 12 hours a day. You're busy all damn day. You know, maybe yeah. you're, you have some free time when you're, you know, when the kids are at school. But guess what? When the kids are at school, you got to focus on cleaning the house because there's nobody running around. You got to focus things that, that you have to do now. Now, once no one's in the house, right? And then the kids come back and guess what? You're, you're busy again. So it did a good thing. But then, like I said, it was cigarettes. Long-term wise, now processed food has shown to be more detrimental. And it's more detrimental over time because as processed food engineering moves forward, people make it easier to create these foods. They yeah. they throw in more chemicals, more flavorings. Make it cheaper. Make it cheaper. All that jazz. And it just compounds into being worse and worse and worse over time. And that, I feel like it's also being inverse proportional to to um our our age or de- yeah, right? decline in the health in yeah health because as because 1950s that's not a super long time right even though the generation y so our generation is technically from the years 1981 to 1996 and our first processed food was was available in the market in 1950s remember that was our first processed food right look how much the car has changed over 50 years drastically yeah same processed food look how much that has changed over the years so yes, you people will be thinking, well, wouldn't Generation X be the unhealthy because they were doing processed food? Yes, they're doing processed food, but it wasn't as processed as it is now. And as future moves on, the more processing it's going to be until someone says, hey, enough is enough. Yeah, okay. or they start removing, you know, specific ingredients like there's no MSG now, or hey, there's a label that says, oh, this is high fructose free. Oh, hey, this is a gluten free. So you know, till the public question things and says this is bad for health, that's when things start happening, you know. But every Everything you described, it was just in the name of the profit, right? After 1950s, shit just got cheaper and it was it, you, you're able to have higher uh, profit margins and you're able to feed more people. Mm-hmm. And now we're just seeing the repercussions. Right. But we're not like, we're not, we're not going after the large corpse, which is the problem, man. Right. So, the number way, <coughs> sorry, the normal way, way for you to protest something that you don't like is to completely cut it off your life. Be the change. Be the change. Because the world. if I want to see less processed food, well, then guess what? I'm not going to buy the processed food. I'm going to pay a little bit more for non-processed food. Why? Because then my dollars aren't going to the food company that's making this processed food. It's going to someone that's making this organic, right? They're not taking your dollar. Of course, you can put that in every situation because not all, all foods you can do that in, depending on your location. But number one way you could protest these things is with your money. Don't give them the money. And then more of us don't, don't buy these processed foods. Guess what? They're not going to have reason to sell them because no one's buying it. Yeah. And they're going to be like, hey, shit, our... Not a processed organic sausage is actually selling more than our processed non-organic sausage. Let's cut out this, this, this sausage and we'll just... People are going to pay more for this organic one. But by the fact that they're seeing that people are not buying the non-organic one, there's going to be no point of them to make it anymore. And they're going to 
make organic ones and it might cost a little bit more but guess what now you're paying a little, little bit more for it it does suck but guess what you're gonna live longer technically than they have you for a longer period of time right because if maybe people aren't seeing this the, the way i am from a marketing standpoint or from a corporation if i could have somebody pay me more money for a better quality product which is going to help them live longer over time I'm going to make more money off them in a lifetime than I will by selling, by selling a process product that's going to hurt them in the long term and make them die quicker. Technically. Right? In theory. I don't know if people aren't seeing this or the fuck's going on. But yeah, but you got to realize there's 7 billion people to feed. So for them, it's just a numbers it's game, dude. That. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Well, that just shows you we have a numbers game too. Stop buying the processed shit and then uh, cop up some more money for this organic, better better stuff or just stop eating those chips and you know buy some fruits because they, they look at numbers, right? And where the numbers that they look at. So if we change our numbers around, then we're the ones that could ultimately push for this change. Yes. I mean, it's just like imagine if we had like, a, you know, 50 million listeners and they tell all their friends to stop buying Oreos because it causes whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Like imagine if we did it day on, day out, like Oreos maybe will just maybe decrease in price or stop popping up in shops so much because no one is purchasing them, mm-hmm. right? It's supply and demand. Yeah. Unfortunately, there is just a supply in processed foods because you see it in your you see it in your commercials it is advertised as snacks for the barbecue snacks for the pool snacks for the picnic mm-hmm. snacks for any part of your life and you got yeah. a nice model eating the bag of chips that's with her you know runaway model physique it's like yeah she's you know she's for the commercial but guess what she ain't fucking eating them again you know yeah so it's like you have it's all about marketing at the end of the day and the, the people that have the money are doing this and that's that's marketing and that's why it's still prevalent and that's why you're still buying cheetos and everything else mm-hmm. But, you know, devil's advocate here, I consume stuff myself sometimes. We're all human, mm-hmm. but moderation is key. And, of course, decreasing so people don't purchase it. Yes, that's a key, that's a key concept in moderation. If people don't understand that if you eat a very healthy diet and you eat those chips, you have the dessert, you go out to get ice cream, that's not going to do anything to your body. Your body's going to process it, eat it up, consume it, and that's it. Because you're so healthy. It's like always having fresh oil in a car. Right, that's why we do gift card oil change, right? Because because all that gunk, and then you lose a little bit of oil, all, all, all that gunk gets built up, and then you got a new oil, right? And if you oil, food for us is like oil to the car. It lubricates things, it makes everything run smooth, right? And imagine if you get an oil change every week instead of every X amount of miles, it'll be even smoother and even smoother. Yeah. So that's what you're doing with with diet. The healthier you eat, and the longer you eat healthy, the more shitty food you can introduce to your to your body that aren't going to do any kind of damage yeah. because your body's that efficient at cleaning shit up is that you can eat to have a bag of fucking flaming hot cheetos and it's not gonna even phase you it might make your stomach upset but technically you didn't really do any harm to your body because tomorrow you're not you're not gonna eat the hot cheetos again you're gonna be good for the rest of the week right so that's, that's the thing about moderation is you could you could cheat you could eat these processed foods but don't eat a lot of them yeah that's the thing there's the one doctor i can't i don't know his name people, people make it harder than it has to be man and i you know we we snack a lot we snack all the time not as much as most people, but we have our snacks. Like, I just bought Flamin' Hot Cheetos, right? We just went out for ice cream a few days ago, right? So, it's, it's not that. It's just a moderation. We, me and Matt don't go out for ice cream every day. We don't have these same shitty snacks every day. And guess what? Yeah, we have snacks, but we do it in moderation where it doesn't really phase us. And plus, we go to the gym. We go to work out. So, if we burn any kind of extra cat, if we consume any kind of extra calories, guess what? They're being burnt anyways. Yeah, and I like how this doctor once said it that disease your body based on whatever you consume you're either moving towards disease or towards the healthy life and that's based on every single choice you make every single day it all matters um, i'm going to go over the results really quick from the study because we're already like over 50 minutes and i didn't yeah. read them off so i'm just going to give you a big abstract of what's going on when it comes to declining in health what the study revealed based on the all these surveys they, they took up so what, there's a higher increase of white men groups when it comes to metabolic syndrome, while um, African-Americans, black people, they have, a steep, they have the steepest increase in low urinary albumin, which is a marker for chronic, chronic inflammation and also an early indicator of kidney disease. Makes sense because we always talk about how African-Americans are more prone to um, getting kidney disease. You know, uh, When it comes to whites, they have a distinctive increase in anxiety, depression, heavy drinking compared to... Um, African-Americans and Hispanics, which um, don't really show as much um, increase in drugs and smoking. But smoking is not a responsible cohort for all this that you know we're talking about. It's just indicators that they um, noticed. When it comes to obesity, that's been increased in the metabolic syndrome 
um, but it doesn't correlate with um, low urinary albumin. So obesity is linked to death, of course, and worsening uh, decline in health, but it's not necessarily um, an indicator of early kidney disease. Mm. Uh, and then also, yeah, I feel like white whites, even though we're talking about systemic racism and stuff all the time in these topics, it seems like whites are mostly affected by this. They tend to be technically less healthier in the other categories than um, African-Americans and Hispanics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing is interesting is like for um, for Spanish people, even since the uh, baby boomers, there has been an in- continuous uh, increase in street drug usage mm-hmm. compared to whites and African-Americans. Yeah, I mean, street, street drugs play a big role. And now I'm kind of curious how marijuana is going to play a, a role in obesity when we think about it. Because it damn, does have... Damn munchies. Yeah, if it has, you know, we all know the benefits of marijuana and CBD and all that, but not everybody uses it for for that reason, right? A lot of people use it recreationally and, and, and all that. And I wonder how it's going to play a role in, in, um, in obesity and if we're going to get fatter as the years go on. But I mean, we'll see. I was gonna say one point, but I just forgot what it is. That's cool, man. I time. think we could wrap it up here. Fifty yeah. minutes in, ladies and gents. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, I was gonna say that. Let's go. You know, here at a couple of nurses, like we preach all this healthy lifestyle, this longevity. We have everyone's best interest in, in, in mind. You know, when we Matt and I talk, and everybody here, a couple of nurses, when we, we talk, and the way we do things is, is it's all for for one purpose, just trying to make each and every one of you a, a better version of, of themselves. Right, we're just trying to give you these ideas, these these concepts, and these ways you could change your life, or maybe different kind of ideas or values that you haven't thought about in certain ways. And that's that's why you know that's why we podcast, that's why we do all this, and that's what we enjoy doing. Because Matt and I, we don't, we're not, we didn't, we weren't born with this knowledge. We yeah. heard this knowledge from from somewhere else, and that's over talent. time, right? We talked to people, and, and over time, we did the research, and we find we found these things to be helpful in our lives. So if it's helpful in if Matt wants someone to be helpful in, in Matt's life, you know, he lets me know. And if it's helpful in my life, then imagine who else's lives it could be helpful with, right? Because if it helps two people and we just thought of his one concept or we did some research and it helped us, imagine, you know, how much it could help everybody else. Yes. And the key thing is, is communication. Like if you're doing something healthy or you're doing something that you enjoy that, that you've seen to help better your life, you guys should also put that out there into the world. Because if it helps change your lives, there's going to be thousands and potentially millions of people that are going to be just as changed by by it as you. Yes. So if you guys enjoyed this episode and it helped you tremendously, if you learned something, please share it. That helps us and helps anybody else that's listening. Like we always have great intentions on this show. We're always trying to, just like Pete said, increase your well-being, whether it's, you know, new facts, having new guests on and everything that we do. It's all about raising Earth's vibrational frequency. That's how I'd put it. <laughs> and uh to wrap up the show, we talked about a, a study from the University of California, talked about green tea and all teas, how they decrease blood pressure based on this mechan- mechanism of action from the KCNQ5. And we talked about the health decline in Generation X and Y and maybe why it's happening. Yep. Good summary, guys. Thank you for tuning in. See you guys next week or in a couple of days or whenever. Don't forget, 4.30, save the date. Yep. Bye, guys.